often have you heard the comment, bad things come in threes? It certainly seems like it does in my life. One bad thing happens and the dominoes just start to fall. In China, the proverb is, good luck seldom comes in pairs, but bad things never walk alone. In reality, science has debunked the common superstition that bad things come together, but there are exceptions. These sayings are certainly true about today's episode involving the Kissel brothers, who grew up riding bikes and playing Monopoly, grew up to build properties and live the high life, and wound up dead by someone else's hand. Mahatma Gandhi once said that the earth provides enough to satisfy every man's needs, but not every man's greed. Nothing, it seemed, could satisfy 47-year-old Andrew Kissel's desire for more. More money, more toys, more of everything. He cheated business partners, strangers, and friends alike out of millions of dollars. But by the spring of 2006, karma had come knocking on Andrew's door. His life was in ruins. Not only was he going through a messy divorce with his wife, Haley, but his financial scams had finally caught up to the once wealthy real estate developer. Banks, creditors, and federal agents alike were all leaning on him. In early April of 2006, Andrew had finally decided to plead guilty to numerous charges of fraud and embezzlement. He faced a minimum of eight years in prison. Months earlier, he had stopped paying rent on his multi-million dollar Greenwich, Connecticut mansion. He was supposed to be out of the house by Saturday, April 1st, after the movers arrived, yet Andrew had no place to go. Realizing jail was most likely his next home, he decided to stay the rest of the weekend at his almost empty house, sleeping on a bed his estranged wife had left him. On Sunday, April 2nd, Carlos Trujillo, Andrew's driver and helper stopped by around 6 p.m. He would be the last person to see Andrew alive. The next morning when the movers returned, they found Andrew's lifeless body in the basement, his hands and feet bound and his t-shirt pulled up over his head. He had been stabbed in the back multiple times. Because the crime was so brutal, investigators suspected from the very start that this murder was personal. But who? Andrew had acquired so many enemies over the years that the hardest question wasn't who wanted Andrew Kissel dead, but who didn't. Adding to the tragedy of this murder was the fact that less than three years earlier, Andrew's younger brother Robert was killed in Hong Kong by his own wife in what became known as the infamous milkshake murder. Brothers Andy and Rob Kissel had a great start to life. They grew up in a lovely home in an upper-middle-class New Jersey suburb. Their chemist father, Bill, started an ink toner business that took off and quickly became profitable. His success allowed Andy and Rob access to all kinds of luxuries and opportunities. But Rob and Andrew also had their differences. Though both brothers were smart and interested in business, things always seemed to come easier for kid brother Rob. 
He was the extrovert in the family with the most friends. He was taller, better looking, and more athletic, but also down to earth and likable. He was the one who always got the A's in the girl, graduating with honors and going straight off to college. With his natural gifts, it was easy for Rob to take a traditional path to success through college and business school. Andy, on the other hand, always seemed to be looking for shortcuts. Whether it was because he felt like he couldn't compete with his high-achieving brother, or he was impatient to prove to his dad that he, too, was a winner, Andy opened a retail car accessory shop right out of high school with no experience. It lasted a year and a half before it went under. But despite Andrew's bumpy beginning, both brothers eventually found their way up the ladder of success. Rob first found success in New York City. After falling in love and marrying Nancy Keishan, an equally outgoing restaurant manager, Robert Kissel made millions as a Wall Street banker. But in 1997, Hong Kong was an even better place to be. Southeast Asia's currencies were in free fall, and Goldman Sachs wanted their best and brightest there to pick up the pieces to sell for inflated prices. So Rob and Nancy said goodbye to New York, and with their three-year-old and baby in tow, became expats across the ocean. Rob and Nancy seemed to adjust easily to their luxury apartment and new lifestyle. In the Hong Kong expat community, banker husbands like Rob earned millions working 10 hours a day, while wives like Nancy raised the children, socialized, and shopped. Back in New York City, older brother Andrew was playing the role of an up-and-coming real estate developer. Though he worked at a mediocre firm, he wore expensive clothes and drove a Porsche to uphold the high-rolling image he was trying to convey. He met and won over Haley Wolf, a blonde Ivy Leaguer and competitive skier turned Merrill Lynch analyst who came from a wealthy family. In 1992, the couple married. Not long after the newlyweds moved into a one-bedroom co-op apartment, Andrew launched his own real estate development company. He called it Hanrock. Rob invested $500,000 in it, proud of his brother and what he had accomplished. Andrew's neighbors on East 74th Street also admired him, especially after he bought the two apartments next door and combined all three into the showpiece of the building. It wasn't long before neighbors were soon investing in Andrew's properties, and by 1995, Andrew was serving as the co-op's treasurer. To most residents, he seemed to be doing a good job. But it wasn't long before some tenants began wondering why such a modest building required millions of dollars in remodels. It turned out they didn't. Andrew created fake companies, paid them inflated fees for imaginary work, and transferred the money into his own bank account. He had forged signatures, cut and pasted bank statements, and eventually borrowed $2 million under the co-op's name. While he could have gone to prison if members of the co-op had pressed charges, Andrew eventually reached a confidential settlement and paid the co-op back $4.7 million. Leaving his burned bridges behind, Andrew moved his family to one of the country's richest cities, Greenwich, Connecticut and soon became one of its leading citizens. Just as Andrew seemed to be getting back on his feet after his self-inflicted financial woes in New York, things began to get worse for Rob and his family in Hong Kong. The years of Rob's grueling work schedule and time apart from his family was taking its toll on Rob and Nancy's marriage, 
and cracks were beginning to show. Then, in the spring of 2003, Nancy took the kids to Vermont for several months after a new and deadly virus known as SARS reached Hong Kong, and she was worried about her children's safety. Rob stayed behind. While in Vermont, Nancy met Michael Del Priore, a good-looking TV repairman with whom she began an affair. Although Nancy didn't know it, Rob had become suspicious of her behavior as early as January of 2003 and had installed spyware on his wife's laptop and home computer to monitor her activity. In June, he hired two private investigators to find out if his suspicions that his wife was having an affair were accurate. He was devastated when he found out the truth. But while he at first wanted to make the marriage work, by the end of October, he knew that his wife was still talking to her lover and that the marriage was over. He had confided in a colleague that he was going to talk to his wife about a divorce on the afternoon of November the 2nd, 2003. That evening, Nancy Kissel gave her husband a pink milkshake after he got home with his three children from a play date with their friends. Apparently, Nancy had secretly been drugging Rob for weeks. This particular concoction had been spiked with rohypnol and three other sedatives, all medications that she had tricked doctors into prescribing for her. As Ra was lying in bed, barely conscious, Nancy picked up an eight-pound lead statue that had once belonged to her grandmother and hit her husband of 14 years in the head five times, killing him. For two days, Nancy slept in their bed next to her husband's corpse. It's hard to imagine what she was thinking during this time. We know she often talked to her Vermont lover during those two days. Finally, Nancy settled on a plan. In an attempt to cover up the crime, she purchased a new carpet, rolled Rob's body up in the old one, and then asked the building's workmen to move it to storage. Colleagues reported Rob missing on November the 6th after he failed to show up for work or answer his phone. Six days after Nancy killed her husband, she was arrested and confessed to his murder. A grief-stricken Andrew, along with his sister Jane and father Bill, traveled to Hong Kong to start the trial. In June of 2005, Nancy Kissel pleaded not guilty to her husband Robert Kissel's murder. Although she admitted to beating her husband to death, she now claimed it was self-defense after Rob had attempted to sexually attack her. This was the very first time that Nancy had ever claimed to have been the victim of domestic violence at the hands of her husband. Nancy now claimed that for the previous five years, Rob had repeatedly subjected her to rape, sodomy, and emotional and physical abuse, and had regularly abused alcohol and cocaine. She admitted to sometimes putting sedatives in his drinks, but she claimed it was to lower his aggression toward the children and to keep herself from being raped. But this time, she said when she resisted his sexual advances, he swung at her with a baseball bat. She now claimed amnesia for what happened after Rob allegedly attacked her. Her attorney blamed dissociative amnesia on Nancy's alleged attempts at covering up her crime. On September the 1st, 2005, after 65 days of trial, Nancy was convicted after just eight hours of deliberation. She eventually won a retrial after defense proved that the prosecution had improperly used evidence. 
For her retrial in January of 2011, the verdict was the same. Nancy was found guilty and resentenced to life in prison. Rom's murder and Nancy's guilty verdict had a ripple effect on the family. Three innocent children were left orphaned by this tragedy and were now being fought over by Nancy's extended family and Rob's brother, Andrew. Uncle Andrew ultimately boarded a jet and collected his brother's three children. He looked much like a hero showing up and taking responsibility for his younger brother's children. But as his own marriage crumbled, it became clear that perhaps Andrew wasn't the guy for this job. Andrew's life began to unravel after Rob's death. His spending and drinking were out of control. His relationship with his wife, Haley, was spiraling downward, especially with her two children, plus Rob and Nancy's three. Haley had had enough. It wasn't the right environment for traumatized children who had just lost their own parents. They arranged for Jane, Andrew's sister, to take Rob's three children and raise them. When Andrew's body was discovered just days before his trial, the list of potential killers was daunting due to the long list of enemies he had collected due to years of fraud and embezzlement. With no sign of forced entry into the home, though, Andrew's estranged wife, Haley, quickly moved to the top of the suspect pile. After all, she had left him just two days before the murder, taking his two daughters with her. But after Haley had a solid alibi for the night of the murder, suspicion turned to friends. Attention fell on his longtime chauffeur, Carlos Trujillo, after it was discovered that he had been using Andrew's credit card. Investigators also discovered that Carlos Trujillo and his cousins, Leonard and Jair, were also laundering money for Andrew. Investigators thought that Trujillo's murdered Andrew because they feared that he would disclose their money laundering as part of his plea deal. Maybe they had to silence Andrew before he could turn state's evidence. In 2008, all three Trujillos were charged with the murder of Andrew Kissel. At the trial, Carlos Trujillo testified that Andrew Kissel was like a father to him and had given him his credit card out of generosity. Their defense lawyers actually suggested the motive for the murder was to help Andrew by staging what was really a suicide to look like a murder. In doing so, that would allow his children to collect his millions of dollars in life insurance. Prosecutors laughed at these claims, but jurors must have believed at least some of them. Carlos Trujillo was acquitted of murder at trial and received a six-year prison sentence for attempted murder, followed by deportation to his home country of Colombia. Leonard Trujillo pleaded guilty to manslaughter and conspiracy to commit murder and got 20 years. Today, Nancy Kissel continues to sit in a Hong Kong jail, just as she has for the past 15 years without any sense of when she might be released. This story is a tragedy in so many respects. There are so many victims beside the ones who were murdered. Children who lost a father and uncle, people who Andrew Kissel fleeced, a father grieving for two dead sons. It's easy to sum up this story as true crime writer Joe McGinnis did. A smart and beautiful family so corrupted by greed that it destroyed itself from within. But I think that description overlooks the complicated reality of two very different men who wound up with the same fate. Please look for my upcoming segment on white collar crime and murder in our featured crime analysis. Thank you for watching this episode of Unmasking a Murder. 
If you haven't subscribed to our channel, I'd be thrilled if you'd consider it. Please tell your friends about us. And if there's a particular case you'd like us to cover, please let us know. Until next time, when we try to unmask another murderer.